On the count of three, we're going to say it with faith. We're going to say it to the Lord. You're going to say it with gusto, okay? And so you're holding up your, you got to open the Bible app, okay? If it's digital, you have to open the Bible app. No, I'm being silly, but obviously, you know, Bible in many forms. So hold up your phone, your whatever, right? And if you don't have a Bible, steal one. Or, and, if you can, and if we lose them, just steal your neighbors, okay? Or just grab theirs or something like that. All right. One, two, three. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We believe your word is truth, and it is your word speaking to us. We believe your spirit wrote the word, and your spirit will speak through your word today. I thank you that you've given me a word for your people, like you do every day, because you love your people. You love your people, God, and you have a word for them, like you do every day, every week, Lord. And I thank you that you want to speak to us every day when we're in the Bible, reading the word, going through our day. But I thank you right now, right here, you have a word for your people. And so, Lord... Let your word go forth with power, conviction, with the revelation of your spirit, with wisdom in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, 1 Samuel 17, the power of words, power of our words. Obviously, you, you, you remember the story of David and Goliath. I'm, I'm kind of going backwards here because I want to establish a principle. Right? We've been basically in the latter part of 1 Samuel. You're thinking, my goodness, I thought we were making progress. Now we're going backwards. Well, we're going backwards because I want to establish a principle here about what happened between David and Goliath and therefore what, what we need to see that David did even in the midst of trials. And so here in the story of David and Goliath, we, we know the story that Goliath lost and David won. We know that, that Goliath was this massive dude who had this sword and a spear and a shield and a sword and, a, and an armor bearer. And we know that David was a young man, probably less or at least less than 20, maybe 18 years old, a shepherd who only had a sling and five stones. Okay, we know that. But how did David kill Goliath? How did David kill Goliath? Well, the, 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 the rock. Yeah, right. You're telling me a little, a little rock killed Goliath. No, that's not what happened. It was the power of God. This was a miracle. This wasn't something that David did on his own. Like, this was the power of God. So how did this work? How did this work? I want to show you something here. You'll notice that um, David comes up to uh, the Philistine. In verse 42, all right? So we're going to pick up the story in verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about, I mean, David's so small, the dude can't even see David. Where is he? Where's he at? Oh, there you are. It says, when he saw David, no, I'm just messing around. When he saw David, he disdained him. He disdained him, for he was only a youth, right? Meaning, again, less than 20, rudy and good-looking, so the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? He's taunting David, He's just taunting David. And he says, and it says, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Right? So he's smack talking and he's cursing David by his gods and, he's, and he's, he's making fun of David. Verse 44, and the Philistine said to David, 
Come to me and I will give you your, give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. So he says to David, come here. Come here. I'm going to feed you to the animals. Right? Come here, little guy. Come here. Come here. I'm going to Right? And so he's, Philistine is talking smack, right? Talking smack. And he said, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to kill you. Now, what does David do? Does he, does he get scared? Does he cower? Right? No, we've seen that David was a man of the word and he believed God. Where did his confidence come from? Came from his faith. Remember, we've seen this, that David had a history in believing God. He said, man, I took out a bear. I took out a lion. But remember, David said, God delivered me from that lion. God delivered me from that bear. That God gave David the power to take that stuff out. It wasn't just in his own human ability. I mean, I've seen those YouTube videos with, with people trying to kill lions. This is a bad idea. I wouldn't recommend it unless, uh, unless you have faith like David. All right. So David in verse 45, he says, he talks back to the Philistine. He doesn't back down. He, he speaks to the Philistine. And so what's happening is a battle of words. Battle of words, right? Philistine says, let me tell you what's going to happen. And then David turns around and says, no, no, no. Let me tell you what's going to happen. And David says in verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, right? He's going, all you got is a spear? All you got is a javelin? All you've got is a, is a sword? That's all you have. You don't even know who you're messing with. You don't even know who you're dealing with right now. And he says, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin? He says, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of, uh, armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Who says, man, you're coming at me with a sword. I got something better than a sword. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. Meaning I'm not on my own. I'm a representative of God. And you have just defied God. You've made him mad. And now I'm going to take you out. And so he says, this is, and then this is now David saying what he's going to do. Verse 46. This day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. David doesn't even have a sword in his hand. But he tells the, the, the giant, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to cut your head off. And he says, and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. He says, not only am I going to cut your head off, he says, I'm going to feed all of you up there, all the army behind the Philistine giant. He says, all of you are going down too. That's some big talk, right? That's big talk. I'm not just going to kill Goliath. We're going to feed all of you to the birds of the air and the beasts. Of the... He just took it to another level. And why though? He just says it right here. He says, because I want the world to know that there is a God 
in Israel. Remember that David knew the covenant, as Sam had mentioned just a second ago. He understood that God was a promise-keeping God. He understood that God was with us, God is for us, and we have a God. See, so many people, we talk as if we don't have a God. We talk as if God hasn't made promises to us. We talk as if we're totally, completely on our own. And so we factor when we're thinking through our life and the decisions we're making and the hard things we're going through and the trials we're facing, we factor in and God is not in that equation. Just listen to the way you talk. Listen to the way you talk. People ask me questions sometimes and in my head I think, but God, do you have a God? Did he make promises to you? And David, he would say, Oh, yeah. And so he says to this giant, and this is really the heart of David, he wants God glorified. Amen? He wants God glorified. David's not prideful and ambitious in, the, in this, that sense. He wants God glorified. He wants the name of the Lord exalted. He knows that his God is God and that there is no other God. He knows that God made covenants promises and that God wants to bless Israel. He doesn't want Israel in bondage. Just like he did, God does not want his people, his children, the church in bondage, believing lies, struggling. He wants to bless his people if his people would walk in his ways. And David knew this. This was his heart as a shepherd, a pastor, and ultimately as king of Israel. And so he says, then all this assembly, the church, basically, then the church will know Verse 47, that the Lord does not save by sword and spear. See, he was passionate that his people would not put their trust in human efforts, but would put their trust in God. David understood that he was taking this giant out so that God would get glory, so that God's people would believe in God. See, so David speaks this. He speaks this out. And then it says here, verse 48, So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried, ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank in his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Listen to this next phrase. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheet and killed him and cut off his head with it. It's interesting, isn't it? That the text says, but there was no sword in the hand of David. You know that Ephesians chapter six says that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon mentioned in the list of the armor of God. All the other, shield of faith, I'm sorry, shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the shoes of the gospel of peace. It's all defensive. It's only one offensive weapon that we've been given from the Lord, and it's called the sword of the Spirit. And it's the word of God. Literally, it's the word coming out of my mouth. You ever seen in Revelation, you ever wonder why Jesus has a sword coming out of his mouth? Not where you normally see a sword. Want to know why? Because David, he didn't have a sword in his hand. That's not how he killed Goliath. 
But there was a sword coming out of somewhere else. His mouth. Called the sword of the spirit. How did David kill Goliath? With his words. With his words. David voiced his faith. He knew that God would deliver him. He knew that God was with him. He knew that if he would obey the Lord, God's power would back what he was doing. God's supernatural power would go into effect and God would deliver him from the hand of the Philistine. And David didn't have a sword in his hand because what did he say? God does not deliver. God does not save or deliver with sword or spear. Verse 47, for the battle is the Lord's. It wasn't David's power that took Goliath out. It was God's power. Amen? But whose faith? David's. Whose words? David's. Let me tell you, if David hadn't spoken it, it wouldn't have happened. David aligned himself with God. He spoke God's words And it released God's power. This is how the kingdom works. This is how the kingdom works. The kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom breaks into your life. God's power is released in your life when you voice your faith. When you align your words with God's word. Because his word is forever settled in heaven. His word, he said, will not return to me void. His word is power and life. And when you come into agreement with God and you speak what God is speaking, releases his kingdom. Isn't this what Jesus taught us? Am I, is this just some random principle? Did I just pull this out of some random place in the Bible? Or is this from Genesis to Revelation, how the whole Thing works. This is how the whole thing works. Isn't this what Jesus taught us? Mark chapter 11. Didn't Jesus tell us in Mark chapter 11? So Jesus answered and said to them, oh, let me give you the context real quick. So Jesus is walking down the street and he sees the uh, fig tree with leaves. He walks up and there's no figs on it. And he says, may nobody ever eat fruit from you ever again. And he walks, so keeps walking. He goes and he teaches in the, in the temple and he heals people. And then they're coming back. And Peter looks up and goes, Jesus, look! That fig tree you cursed, it's withered. Jesus doesn't even look. He goes, have faith in God. This is what he says. So Jesus said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Did David tell a mountain to be removed. And did he believe in his heart 
without doubting that what he said would happen. Why? Because he believed. I'm not speaking my words. I'm speaking what God is saying. I'm declaring what God will do. Amen? Be removed and be cast into the sea. If you believe in your heart and you speak it with your mouth, removed. You voice your faith. You believe what you say is going to happen. Now, this is not like, this is not Christian magic. This is not superstition. This is not like rub the genie lamp, pull the slot machine handle. No, this is agreement with God. This is what God said will happen. I say will happen. And his power backs what I say. Not my power, his power. But my faith releases what God wills. I come into agreement with God. This is how the kingdom works. This is what Jesus was saying. Isn't this how Jesus did his whole ministry? Didn't he tell a storm to stop? Hey, you, be quiet. Stop it. He told a storm to stop. What was he doing? Well, he just told us how to do it. You want a mountain to move, you tell it to go. You believe in your heart that what you say is going to happen is going to happen. Isn't this what he did? Did he go up to demons? Oh, I just pray, Lord. Help me to cast this demon out. Just really pray that you'd make it go away. You talk like that? Don't remember that in the Bible. Why didn't he talk like that? Because he knew his authority. He already knew what God's will is. When the leper came up to him and said, Jesus, fell on his face before Jesus. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was like, ooh. No, he didn't do that, right? Bible says he was moved with compassion. And did he say, oh, Lord, help this man. Lord, if it's your will. You know, he's lonely. He's lonely. Just comfort him, Lord. Is this how Jesus talked? No. I am willing. He touched him. Be clean. Why? He already knew it was God's will. Somebody needs to speak it. Kingdom does not come except that you would speak it out. This is how it works. How did he multiply loaves and fishes? Thank you, Lord. Lord, boom, enough to feed thousands of people. This is how the kingdom works. <clears throat> Matthew 16, and I will give you, referring to the church, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Literally, in the Greek, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. What he's trying to say, what Jesus is saying is, somebody on earth needs to bind it. And somebody on earth needs to loose it. Which means somebody, we have authority in his name, in Jesus' name. Right? He has authority. How much authority does this have? Right? He rose from the grave. I, and I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Every knee will bow. 
in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. I mean, everybody under his feet, right? His name is above every other name. Everything is under Jesus' feet. And he says, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And you have authority to stop things on earth that need to be stopped and to loose or permit things on earth that need to be permitted. You have that authority. And what is he saying? You need to do it. You bind it, it will have already been bound in heaven. What you're doing is coming into agreement with what God has already said in his word, what he has already willed and made as revelation in his word. We're not trying to get God to do something that we want. We're like, name it and claim it. We're trying, we're simply speaking what God already said. This is what David did. Goliath, I'm going to cut your head off. And what happened? He cut his head off. And I'm going to feed all your bodies to the birds of the air. And what, guess what happened? Keep reading. They fed all their bodies to the birds of the air. What would have happened if David didn't say, we're going to feed all your bodies to the birds of the air? Wouldn't have happened. He spoke it. He prophesied it. This is why intercession is so important. This is why preaching the gospel to people who don't know the Lord is so important. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is why prophecy is so important because it's God's word to you and bring freedom, break strongholds. This is why we don't like to sing songs unless they're biblically rooted. You're not going to find us singing pop Christian songs uh, that don't come from the word of God. We're not judgmental, but we're definitely careful that what we sing is God's word because you speak God's word, you'll get God's results. You want to speak your words, get your results. <clears throat> See, some people, they'll, they'll say, you know, let me, let me give you another example. Remember that woman who was, had a flow of blood? 12 years, she had a hemorrhaging, some sort of internal hemorrhaging problem, right? 12 years suffering, 12 years, she keeps going to the doctor's. Doctors can't help her. She wastes her money. She's carrying around this pain. She's carrying around this shame. And yet she hears about Jesus. She hears. She hears the testimony about how Jesus is healing people. Faith comes into her heart. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Faith comes into her heart. And she says to herself, if only I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. She sneaks up behind Jesus in a crowd. Everybody's bumping into Jesus. They're all touching him. But she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. And power is released from Jesus' body and goes into her body. And instantly she's healed. Jesus feels power go out from him. That'd be a great feeling. I'd like to feel that one day. Woo! What happened there? Somebody just took something from me. And he was happy about it. Hey, who touched me? Peter goes, uh, Lord, hello, uh, Jesus, everyone's touching you. No, no, someone touched me. Power, I felt power go out from me, he said. Did he know she was going to touch him? No. She touched the hem of his garment, power was released from Jesus. Interesting story, isn't it? He turns around and says, woman, you're not supposed to touch me. No, he didn't say that, did he? Your faith has healed you. 
And then Peter said, now Jesus, 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 come here, come here a second. Her faith didn't heal her. You did that. Did Peter have to correct her, Jesus? If I told one of you, your faith just healed you. you be, Dave, come here. Come here. Come on, Dave, it's God's power that heals. It's not people's faith. Why did Jesus say that then? He said it multiple times, didn't he? Woman, your faith healed you. No, Jesus, it wasn't me. I didn't do nothing. I did nothing. Woman, your faith has healed you. Go, be whole. How did that work? When I walked in this room, no, I didn't do it this today. Kurt walked in this room this morning. He walked in this room, right? He came over to that light switch. Kurt turned on the lights. No, he didn't. Edison did. Who turned on the lights? Kurt or Edison? Both. Jesus wasn't confused. I'm not confused. We don't need to be confused. God's power, our faith. We would never think that the energy going to those lights came from me or you. I don't even know how it works. We'll just ask Kevin, okay? He's really smart. Uh, (laughs) Or Fred. Fred knows everything. So I don't even know how it works. All I know is I can walk over to that wall and flip the switch and bam, lights are on, right? And you're going to go, but Dave, how, how does it work? I mean, I, I mean how, does that, how does that work? How does that all happen? I don't know. I don't care. I just want the results. I want lights, right? That's the same thing. David, how did that person get healed? By their faith. No, 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 but like, how did it work? It's God's power. Yeah, but how did it happen? I don't know. No, I mean... <laughs> Does it, we're so struggle with skepticism. Does it really matter? God's power. Nothing is impossible to God. Amen? But didn't Jesus also say, nothing is impossible to him who believes? Hmm. Nothing is impossible to him who believes. What was he trying to say? If you'll link up with me, All my power is available to you. All of my promises available to you. My kingdom available to you if you believe my word. If you'll come into agreement with me, believe in your heart without doubting, and then speak it out. So what do you do when someone needs healing? Be healed in the name of Jesus. Because we're representing heaven, aren't we? We're representing the kingdom of God. And so we say what he says, and we get his results. Because he backs his word, because he's faithful. This is why we must say what God says. What happens if you don't say what God says? You don't get God's results. You get your results.
What happens when you speak your words over your finances? What happens when you speak your words over your marriage? What happens when you speak your words over your future? What happens? You get that. Because you reap what you sow. What happens when you stand on the word of God and you believe his promises and you speak what God said? Guess who's responsible to make it happen? God. If you'll believe him and you'll walk in his ways, he is responsible. I love that David did this. He always spoke God's word. All through the Psalms, we see David standing on the word of God, declaring what God will do. Psalm 138, I showed you guys this last week. We're going to look at it again. Psalm 138, it's one of my favorites. David is in the middle of a trial. He is struggling. I told you this wasn't months. This was years, almost a decade. David struggling. Woo, all right. I didn't kill Saul. I didn't kill Saul. I walked in integrity. Praise God. Now God's going to, now, all right, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Make me king. Another year, another year, more trials. More attack from Saul. He struggled. He waited. It was hard. And yet even in the midst of those trials, did he change his words? No. This guy, I remember one time that David says this. I can't remember where. He says, Lord, you have made me stout-hearted. I love that word. I did a word study. You know what it means? Stubborn. Oh, that's one of my favorite really helped me back in the day. My early 20s, I was learning to believe God and God was breaking pride in me. And I found that word and I thought, yeah, yeah God make me prideful. Just joking. It's not what it means. Stubborn. Means, believe your word. I ain't changing. I'm gonna say what you say. Stubborn. I am more stubborn than lies. I'm more stubborn than trials. I'm more stubborn than my flesh, <laughs> right? We walk in the spirit, right? I'm telling you, I say, yeah, I'm going to be stubborn in the ways of God. Stubbornly obey God. I'm going to stubbornly believe his word. I don't care what I feel. I'm more stubborn than my feelings, right? Your feelings say, where's God? Your feelings, you know, does God love you? I say, shut up. Not to people, to my feelings. They say, be quiet in the name of Jesus, you lying emotions. Be quiet, you thoughts, right? Remember, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You know what those weapons of our warfare are, aren't you? Don't you? Sword of the Spirit. Only one offensive weapon we have. Sword of the Spirit. Pulling down strongholds. You've got thoughts going through your mind, accusing you, accusing God, condemning you, judging other people. You say, be quiet in the name of Jesus. And then you begin to speak the word over your mind. Speak the word over your thoughts. Speak the word over your emotions. Speak the word over your flesh. You say, no, 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 no. You don't get to call the shots. I walk in the spirit. I love this about David. Stout-hearted. He's in the midst of trials. He's struggling. I didn't, I, I'm never, I, I didn't say, we didn't say last week that David didn't have emotions. He would cry. He would weep before the Lord. I've told you, I've told you oftentimes when you're believing in God, you're going to start crying the most. Tears are good. 
But we looked at last week that anger and fear and things like that, those aren't good emotions rooted in unbelief. But verse 7 and 8 in Psalm 138, I love this. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. You have to understand what David is saying. Let me tell you what's going to happen in my life. You will come through for me. You will revive me. You will vindicate me. You will save me. You will do what you said. You'll perfect what concerns me. Meaning, what you said, you will bring it to fulfillment. I will be king. That's what you said. That's what you'll do. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to obey you. If David didn't speak those words, that's not what would have happened. Because he wouldn't, if he, what happens when you speak those words, it builds up your own faith. It strengthens you to believe God and obey him. And of course, if David didn't obey God, if David would have uh, uh, not walked in integrity, that also would have either delayed or even could have short-circuited David's own calling. But I'll tell you, the reason why he did walk in integrity, the reason he did walk in obedience, because he believed God. All disobedience is rooted in unbelief. And here's a man that believed, this is what God will do for me. Now think about this for a second. David said to the giant, you're going down, I'm going to cut your head off. And then he said to the Philistines, I'm going to feed all your bodies to the birds of the air, right? And what happened? That's what happened. David said here in Psalm 138, you will revive me and you will perfect what concerns me. And what happened? Just that. The power of words. But here's the interesting thing. One happened instantaneously, didn't it? We like that story. Yeah. Mountain, get out of my way. Man of faith. Oh, yeah. What happens when you say, mountain, be removed? I said, mountain, be removed. It's not moving yet. What do you do then? You change your words. You say, oh, must not have enough faith. You say, where are you at, God? Here I am believing you and you're not coming through. You say that? What do you say? I told you, be removed. (laughs) Didn't Jesus say, if you believe what you ask, ask in prayer and believe that you've received it and you will have it. Well, that's kind of weird. Believe you have received it and you will have it. In Matthew, he said, believing you will receive. I mean, I threw in the believing part. He said, believing you will receive. But I'll tell you that believing can be believing just because it doesn't happen right away doesn't mean it's not going to happen that's why we walk by faith not by sight that's why we walk by faith not by feelings circumstances experiences that's why when i pray for someone to be healed and they're not healed right away what do i do pray again 
Why? I know it's his will. How come it didn't happen the first time? No idea. No idea. Could be demonic. Could be this. Could be that. Maybe it is my faith. I don't really care. I mean, I do care if God needs to correct me. But I'll tell you this. I'm not changing his word. I'm not changing his word. I'm going to keep speaking his word. I've told you before, I will die believing God. I'm going down, facing forward, no matter what happens. Just like Meshach, Reshach, and Abednego. God's going to deliver us from this fire, and even if he doesn't, I'm still going to worship God. But he's going to deliver us. And what happened? God did it. Why? Words. Words. I'm telling you, change your words, change your life. Because when you align your words with God's words, it releases his kingdom. It releases his power in your life. Let's end with uh, Psalm 23. Let me show you something here in Psalm 23. And so what I'm saying is that David said, God will do it. God will deliver me. God will give me victory. God will make me king. And it happened even if it took 10 years. What was he doing all those years? He was sowing seeds into his future harvest. Some things in the kingdom happen instantaneously. Praise God for that. I can lay my hands on you. Boom, you can be healed right away. But it doesn't say in Mark 16 that I'll lay my hands on you and you'll be healed instantaneously. It says you will recover. It could take time. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how long it's going to take. I just know, or rather believe, God will do what he said. Because he cannot lie. It might take a long time. And that is the test of faith. And that is the test of patience. And that is the test of integrity. And that is the test of obedience that we've been talking about all these last couple months. And yet the comes down to this. Will you worship God like David did? Will you speak the word like David did? And what do you need to do in order to have this happen? You need the word coming into your ears to build up your faith. You hear so many things all the time. You hear all these other messages and all this media. The world is sowing its philosophy, its worldliness, its selfishness, its consumerism into our hearts constantly. And the world does not tell us that God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. He cannot lie. And there are so much of the church to this, even today, where they'll say, oh yeah, God is good. God is good. The Bible is true. But you, know, you just can't know what God's going to do. You just can't know. God works in mysterious ways. And they'll sow this philosophy into your heart and rob your faith. We've got to be so diligent to be in the word of God. So diligent to speak only God's words. This is what the Bible means by the diligence of faith. It's not works. It's coming into agreement with God. That takes work. Did you know that? That's hard. It takes discipline. It's a choice. It's a resolve. It's a commitment. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. If your emotions were like, yay, I want to speak God's word today, you would be doing it. But what do your emotions say? 
Lord, I thank you that you're so good and you're faithful and you're going to keep your word. You will perfect what concerns me. Boy, man, that just sounds hollow. Oh, it just sounds so hollow right now. I feel like I'm lying. That's what your emotions say. You can't listen to your emotions. We all feel that way. We all struggle with that. Is this just positive thinking? No. This is agreeing with what God said. Is this like brainwashing? Yeah, you probably need some renewing of your mind. You know, like, but these are the kinds of things that I would always hear in my head. Oh, you're just like trying to convince yourself of something, Dave. I am. God's word. I had to come to a point where I decided the world is wrong. I'm wrong. My perception's wrong. God's word is true. And I'm going to go down believing that and standing on that. If the Lord says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if God promised he will set you free from those addictions, then you keep saying it. And then you fall down, but Dave, I just messed up again. Yeah, but his word didn't change. He will still do what he said. Amen? I love how Psalm 23, I love this. I'm going to end with this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Guess what David where, where David was? He was in a cave. He's in the valley of the shadow of death. He's in a desert. Do you think he has some lack? Ask David. Nope. No lack. David, we don't have any food. No lack. God will provide. I'm telling you, he talked differently. Hey, Moses, where's the food at? He's coming. Where's the Walmart? Well, it's up there somewhere. Come on down, manna, right? God doesn't need anything to provide for you. He can do it any way he wants. If you'll agree with his word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by the, beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Can you imagine what David was going through? Can you imagine the emotions? Can you imagine the rejection? Can you imagine all that? God, you restore my soul. You're here with me now. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I go through the, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There's a lot of evil chasing David, wasn't there? There's a lot of scary things going on in David's life. I will not fear evil because you are with me. What was he saying? But God. David, there's a king trying to kill you. But God. Dude, we're in like a desert. But God. How is it going to work? I don't know. But God. This is how David thought and this is how he talked. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the what? In the presence of my enemies. And they're surrounding me. They're trying to get me. But let me tell you, God likes me. Preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my, my, my head with oil. My cup runs over. Say, man, even in this hard time, you're with me and you're restoring me. This is how we would speak about God. He's speaking the truth. But this is my favorite one where I want, I want to end today. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall 
follow me all the days of my life. I love this. I love this. That word follow, a very interesting word. It's always translated pursue, persecute, chase. It's the word used for somebody hunting you down to kill you. It's called a play on words. King Saul is chasing him, persecuting him, hounding him. He's a fugitive. But he wouldn't let that be his identity. And he wouldn't let that define his destiny. He wouldn't say that over his life. Man, this guy's chasing me. Now, I'm not saying David would lie. He was honest. He was honest about his emotions. He was honest about his circumstances. He was very vulnerable before the Lord. I just want you to hear how he would talk. Surely, surely, it's a sure thing. I'm convinced goodness and mercy, God's goodness, his good plan for my life to prosper me and not to harm me, the good promises he's promised me, his mercy, his love, his faithful covenant love is going to pursue me, chase me, consume me, get me. Let me tell you something. That king's not going to get me. God's goodness and mercy is going to get me. That's what he's saying. I love that about David. He could take these things that he was going through and say, no, let me tell you what's going to happen. You come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, that's all you got? I'll come at you in the name of the Lord. Voicing his faith. How do you talk? Listen to yourself this week. How do you talk about your life, about yourself, about others, about your money, about your health? How do you talk? It's not, if you, if you recognize that your words are out of alignment with God's word, and by the way, how will you know your words are out of alignment with God's word? You need to be in the word. But it's not to be condemning just to repent and align my words with God. How do you speak? How do you speak about your future? I want to encourage you. Say only what God says. Declare what God will do in your life. When I lay my hands on somebody and they're healed, not because I just did it one time. It's not like a magic trick. It's not an accident. Because we've been sowing seeds of faith, building up our faith with the word, hanging out with Jesus, and speaking the word out of our mouth. We've been sowing seeds, and we'll reap a harvest. See, everything that's ever happened in my life, that's the blessing of the Lord, has been his grace, his power. I deserve none of it. I could earn none of it, but for the grace of God, there go I. Nothing without Jesus. But everything he's always done in my life, he revealed, this is what I want to do, in his word. And after fighting him, not believing him, doubting him, getting mad, all those things, beating myself up. I'm really good at the beating myself up part. After, after that, I learned to believe You'll do what you said. 
And every time I've believed him, I've stood on his word, and I agree with God and say what he's going to do, boom, always happens the way God said it will. Here I am, just like you, waiting on God's promises too. Because I'm not dead yet. I'm still believing him. Duh, like we're all on a journey. So yes, praise God for the things I have received and praise God for the things he will do. So here I am waiting, for God, waiting on God, believing God for myself, for others. I have to choose every day, just like you do. And it's not easy to walk by faith in what he said rather than get distracted with my emotions or my circumstances. So let's do it. Sam. Lead us in responding to the Lord.